soul sibling this song is a man from snowy river do you remember that movie back in the 80s Ugh. i remember my friend becky beasley and i we used to like try and outdo each other with this performance such a great song could be a fun flashback movie night Welcome to a new episode of Viral Mindfulness, the podcast. This is episode 121, and we are talking about what do you do when you have all the momentum, you have all of the sadness, the darkness, the despair, and you are scheduled for spiritual retreat. You're scheduled. It's your third year in a row with your teacher, with a community that makes you feel conscious, present, and continually on the edge of discovery. And it's March 1st. So what I decided to do this time was something I don't normally do and what I didn't know was coming right 15 days later. Yeah, a global health crisis. Yeah, a world pandemic, a virus coming to interrupt my... Mm-mm, not this girl. I've done this before. I've had a virus show up and I'm ready. So let's dive in to today's episode. Blessed be the fruit. The month has finally arrived. Viral Mindfulness Academy is almost open. And in honor of this exciting event, I have a special offer just for you. Stay tuned. That was the theme song from the film, A Man from Snowy River. Do you remember the year? That's right, 1982. And it was released by 20th Century Fox. It was an Australian Western and drama film. 
based on the banjo Patterson poem, The Man from Snowy River. Cool. I'll be reading that poem to you a little bit later. And the young Kirk Douglas starred in this film. And the 1988 sequel, because of course they got to go done ruin it and add to Man from Snowy River 2, which was released by Walt Disney Pictures. So this song is called Jessica's Theme, and it was written by Bruce Rowland. had a subtitle for the song called Breaking in the Cult. And Bruce Rowland was nominated for awards, but the film was nominated for an Academy Award Best Foreign Film Australia in 1983. This episode is part of a limited series within my podcast. It's the COVID-19 series, and it started at episode 117, and we're at 121 today. So you're welcome to jump back if you're joining us for the first time today and catch up Uh, get more familiar if the content is interesting to you. We're looking at March 1st now. I'm here ready to go in spiritual retreat. And I just want to read to you an entry from March 1st. Day one spiritual retreat with Adi Shanti online. Drop time. I'm going to attempt to drop time. How much time am I putting into meditation? Release the layer of time so that I'm just really here today, really here with a meditation session. The type of question I'll be asking drastically changes when time aborts. Embody what's already within me. Look within me. Listen, learn, love, laugh. See what's in here more peeling of the onion layers of my spiritual uncovery. So one of the ideas I had right then was that what if during this 60 days, I let go this time of setting my timer with guided meditation and instead would just sit and have the beginning. And for me, when I begin now, I put my hands, my palms together in prayer position at my heart center bow my head. That's the bowing down to my practice, to the ground, to the seat. And then when I'm done, I do the same gesture. And that's something I adopted about a year ago. And so with no timer, I would just start. And when I was finished, I would end with the bow. And I was attempting to do this for the first time because I've always, for 15 plus years, used a timer to meditate or a guided meditation that was taking me on the journey or in retreat with timers. So I wanted to let that go. That was an interesting, I don't know, different thing that I was trying. And then the other thing that was new for me was Even the fact that I had spent the first week prior to the retreat going through the pre-retreat information was new for me. And I had not taken the time at the beginning to write down, take pen to paper, to articulate all the swirling thoughts, all the details into a aspiration. And so it really set in motion a lot of things that arrived for me over the 60 days, looking back in hindsight. And one of the most fun, creative things I did is I took these 
statements, they were, there was a section in this pre-retreat material where there were about seven different sentences or suggestions. And I thought, oh, these would be really cool if I just wrote these down by hand on some nice watercolor paper, cut them out into small little post-it type items and, and tape them to different places around my living space so that as I'm moving around regularly, I would bump into them. And so then I would consistently bump into these suggestions. Wow. Okay. So this is, was such a great idea. I will do it again. I will do it again and I'll do it for the rest of my life. Not really. I mean, maybe I'll let it go in a few years and try something else creative that shows up. I think this is a really valuable lesson for letting go of mm, being open to following creative variations and inversions when you're doing things um, to allow for creative inspiration to arrive for you, whether you're working, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're on a hobby, spirituality, great, follow the suggestions. And then as a interpretation or a variation for you shows up, and especially when it's interesting and it speaks towards your heart, follow it. This is exactly what this was for me. And I'm telling you, it was such a cool thing. For 60 days, I'm bumping into these little statements that I hand wrote. And every day I'm moving around my home workspace Uh, doing all kinds of things and between the kitchen, between the bedroom, the bathroom, the office, the watercolor station, the piano station, the eating station, the patio station, the yoga, the dance breaks, um, I would bump into these. So I want to encourage you to have the wisdom and the courage to follow intuition and ideas as they show up for you, for your life. Because just following, you know, every single detail as it is leaves out a very creative way of embodying things that you're exploring. So I'm going to read to you these statements. And I think you may want to even consider what if you were to write down these statements and tape them to your environment for the next 30 days and see what it feels like for you just to bump into these very wise, gentle, kind, mm, compassionate suggestions. So here they are. Number one, drop into your deepest sense of presence Stay in an open inquiry. What would it be like to hold integrity with the soul? Be silent daily. What wants to ascend from silence today? Give yourself to your own depth. Notice and allow judgments, reactions, or resistance that arise towards yourself and or others. Instead of directing your experience to what you want to be experiencing, be receptive to what you are experiencing. Aren't those lovely? 
So I will put those over at my website and you can find those at the podcast episode page that will be viralmindfulness.com forward slash 121. So all of these statements are written there for you to grab if you want. So I really, really loved having uh, many times throughout the day bumping into these ideas and questions. I think one that really resonated for me was noticing and allowing the judgments and reactions that I had or resistance, but particularly, particularly judgments and reactions towards myself and others. And especially once the coronavirus and uh, the pandemic and the lockdowns and the shelter in place started. And for us, it was around March 19th is when we got the directive from our local mayor and from the California governor. So the second statement that really was powerful for me was instead of directing your experience to what you want to be experiencing, be receptive to what you are experiencing. So, so good for me. Because I noticed that I really do a great job at trying to direct my experience. And, you know, it's very different to then suddenly regularly throughout the day for 60 days to be like, okay, but be receptive to what you are experiencing. Like receive it, listen, see what's inside, see what's here. And once the pandemic started, oh, that was a whole nother layer of... And I don't mean that by like, just all of a sudden it started. I mean, I guess it was like that and it does feel like that. So the other item I wanted to share with you in the pre-retreat material, Adi Shanti suggested that you be aware that what you're looking for is inside of you, that there's this delusion that we continually seek, 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 and we go hunting for all kinds of information. And there's great wisdom in the idea and the truth that what you're seeking is actually already within you. And see, for me, that clarification in the beginning with the aspiration of, I'm here to practice. And as I got deeper, I'm here to see what's inside me, to look and to listen, to observe, to notice. And things really got intense as we were deeper in the world health crisis. And I'll talk more about that in the next episode. So for today, I wanted to read you one more item, and then I'm going to finish and read you the poem, the Man from Snowy River poem. And so this statement and quote, Adi Ashanti I just, it, I found it this first week in retreat and I just thought, okay, so this is really important for me to emulate this now and for the rest of my life. No spiritual practice should ever be done mechanically for this is simply a form of self-hypnosis. Spiritual practice needs to be an expression of a deep inner flame of inquiry and devotion to truth. I think the part about that that I really love is that spiritual practice for me now has become 
a place where I inquire, where I explore. I used to live for a lot of years in spiritual practice as a place to get information and to know and to find absolute truth. And absolute truth had a complete like system. Everything teased, crossed, and I is dotted. For me now, this inquiry and consistently being on the edge of discovery and then having a devotion to truth and truth not being information or solid data, but truth being heart-centered, compassionate forward reality that's rooted in the embodied experience that follows certain guidelines of ethical, kind, compassionate. Here's the second part of this quote. Of course, sometimes one's spiritual practice may feel somewhat mechanical and uninspiring, especially when encountering resistance or unconscious fear. But our practice needs to be connected to the living flame of the spiritual instinct within us in order for it to have real transformational power. This is helpful for me because it reminds me that I am going to encounter resistance always, and there's often unconscious fear and unconscious other beings. And so then if my practice is connected to the living flame within myself, to that intuition I was talking about, to that spiritual instinct that's unique to your embodiment, to your being, that to me is key to having the transformational power that Adi Ashanti is suggesting here. And here's the last paragraph of this quote. We are very much, we very much need to want to awaken from the dream of separation, which is to say that we need to be earnest and sincere, for earnestness is the indispensable ingredient that no practice can replace. Practice needs to be an embodied expression of our earnestness and sincerity in order to awaken from our false self to our true being. So then there's something else that trumps my practice, which is a sincere and earnest earnestness. We need to be earnest and sincere. And so I really loved this and it really created a strong, you know, path for practice. And the last item that I wanted to share with you that we have these group calls and right the week before things hit here in California, which was around March 19th, I had my first call with participants and these participants, we get together we have some introduction and then we break into small groups and I was dropped into a small breakout room on Zoom of five people, six actually. And one was a doctor living in Belgium, working from home, and she was already in shutdown and we all shared and talked and she provided a lot of personal information about what she was going through. And come to find out, she and I had been in a small breakout group the very first year I was in retreat. So we had talked 
in 2018 spent an hour together and what we experienced and talked about there left an impression on all of us at that time in 2018, but particularly she couldn't believe that here I was in her small breakout room. They are randomly assigned and there's thousands of participants and there's hundreds on each call. And so randomly we dropped into a room, breakout room of six people and here I was again. And she was just thinking about me and something that we had talked about. So it was such a gift. And I'm going to tell you more about these wise friends because we continued to meet every week, the entire retreat on our own because of the connection. And we're still meeting every week and it's almost June. I'll finish today's episode and read this poem, The Man from Snowy River, that the film was based on. A poem by Australian bush poet Banjo Pedersen. The Man from Snowy River. Since it's a long poem, this is a short excerpt. There was a movement at the station, for the word had passed around, that the colt from old regret had got away, and had joined the wild bush horses. He was worth a thousand pound. So all the cracks had gathered to the fray, all the tried and noted riders from the station near and far, had mustered at the homestead overnight, for the bushmen love hard riding where the wild bush horses are, and the stock horse snuffs the battle with delight. There was Harrison, who made his pile when Pardon won the cup, the old man with his hair as white as snow, but few could ride beside him when his blood was fairly up. Let me be your muse to music, mindfulness, creativity, and compassion over at my website, viralmindfulness.com. You can also find me regularly throughout the week over at Instagram. That's also at viralmindfulness.com.